Welcome everyone to the L7C podcast, NBA Hoops edition. Today we are going to be talking some hoops with our hoop man aficionado, Mr. Evan Debo. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good, Martin. It's good to good to be back. Uh, we're in the the thaw here in the Midwest after snowmageddon, snowpocalypse, whatever you want to call it. So we've been stuck inside. Fortunately, watching a lot of basketball. I mean, with with yeah. the all things COVID and stuff, we could be in a spot like where we were last year. You're stuck inside and you can't even watch basketball. So, um, glad at least we have that as an outlet, staying in from outside the elements. Yeah, man, that that's a very good point because it's getting close to this time last year where the season stopped and we didn't have basketball. So that's a real good point to be grateful for having. We're about 18 days away from the one year anniversary, March 10th, I believe. Yeah, which is which as well. So be grateful for the hoops because they've been going pretty smoothly. There have been some cancellations and all that, but I feel like they've been going pretty smooth. Yeah. All things considered. I mean, we, we, to an extent, didn't think we'd get this far mm-hmm. into the season without a lot of stuff. My granted, like you'll have some, some strains of games in there where, you know, some people were out for a while. Um, we saw early on the wizards were were out for, it felt like tons of games and they hadn't played a lot, which obviously affects everybody else's um, everybody else's travel schedules and stuff. But I mean, no, we're in it. The NBA is in a good spot. We don't know what the second half of the year schedule looks like yet. Um, I just know that it, it can't be quite as uh murderer's row as, as it was for the Cavs in the last, I think that the, in their last uh, like their last 18 games played their um, opponents winning percentage was like six Oh eight. Like it was absurd, the teams we had to play. I mean, we just, I mean, I think we've lost like a jillion games in a row. I mean, like we've lost like 12 games in a row. And I think last night's, last night's loss at 117 points was the lowest total we'd given up in that, in all those games. It was. So it can't be any worse than that. So we'll see what the second half of the schedule looks like. Uh, it should be released after the all-star game that allegedly we're having <laughs> that everybody's thrilled about. Yeah, let's let's just hop right into that because this will be by next week or two weeks from now. NBA All Star Game is going to be held March seventh in Atlanta. Uh, they're supporting HBCUs and COVID equality uh, relief efforts, and they're first they're doing it real different this year. They're having the skills competition take place on the same night and the dunk con like the dunk contest skill competition that's all happening the same night. Before we talk about like the starters and whatnot, Evan, are you okay with them having All-Star Weekend in a couple weeks from now on March 7th in Atlanta, where LeBron and some other top stars were even wondering why we're having All-Star Weekend? It's it's a really, really tough double-edged sword. I mean, I think you have to operate as a society that it's it's um, it's matter over money. And in this instance, this makes zero sense to do. I mean, LeBron and all those guys are right. In a type of tumultuous time that we're in, where we're all taking um, considerably less risks to get the bare minimum in. And right now, the bare minimum is to have a season, to have something to play for, um, to to have a product on the floor for fans and everything else, um, to continue paying the bills even without you know a lot of fans in in um, Uh, arenas across the the association you know an all-star game like this in atlanta where it's been open for like the city's been been one of the more aggressive 
uh, cities that has been open with restaurants and restrictions being removed and everything else. Like it's just, it makes zero sense. Um, I don't know enough of the finances behind it. So clearly the NBA is worried about uh, Turner and uh, you know, how much money they're going to lose with their, their broadcasting partners if there is no all-star game. Um, so clearly that's a huge factor. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, I mean, it is a job and, you know, if the players, you know, I don't know if that was, if that could be something, if, if they weren't going to play the game, I mean, the players would probably have to um, agree to take some kind of um, financial loss on a percentage of their contract or something, just because the league just doesn't have it. Um, now, I mean, again, the players will say, you know, rich owner, we got yada, these billionaires can afford to lose a little bit more, but, you know, I don't know if it's that simple. I don't know the the X's and O's behind the finances of what that agreement is with Turner. Um, and again, that's where that's where the the CNNs and the TNTs and um, you know Shaq and, and Kenny and all those guys. That's where they call home is Atlanta when they do those broadcasts up every Tuesday and Thursday night on TNT. Um, you know, I just I don't know enough about it. So I mean, unfortunately, money does matter. I, you hate to say it. I just wish, and I so many podcasts I've listened to. I wish the league would just come out and say that. You know. Like, and they haven't quite said that. I mean, they're doing what you, you brought up about the, the money being raised for, for all these great causes for the, um, you know, for the colleges, you know, too. I mean, that's, that's all fine and fine and dandy. I mean, and it is, it's needed and everything else. Um, in theory, you shouldn't have to, I feel like they're using that as a crutch to justify having the game. What do you feel about that? I mean, you, in, in theory, if that's, and this is me picking on the league a little bit. If this is if the if those are causes you genuinely care about, you shouldn't have to use this as a hey, we're going to have an all star game, but we're going to do this. You should already be doing it. Yeah, this is tough as you already uh, stated because from a societal standpoint, you're trying to get back to some form of normal, and the, with this one, I felt like they could have waited a year because you have the different players coming in from different states and all that. But then half of me is when I'm watching the NBA, they're already traveling. So I don't know what that big a difference is for, from the travel aspect. And I, I think it's not even more about the NBA. I do think it's more about Turner and TNT and all the partnerships saying this needs to be on the air for television contracts and things of that nature. So it, it's tough because I understand why they don't, want to do it but if they didn't want to do it i felt like that should have been talked about as soon as the lakers heat finals was over because you're right i don't don't know if that was talked about with the players association um with the president there and obviously the league office if they're like hey we're making this 72 whatever schedule we're starting in october all-star weekend is happening do you have any objections so we don't know if that meeting was held and if the players just said, oh, no, no objections, then the NBA players need to talk to their player union. Yeah. I mean, I, you're right. I mean, these, these conversations with, um, you know, the head of the, the head of the legal team for, for the player association, Michelle Roberts and, and Chris Paul and VP, Mr. Kyrie Irving, uh, mm-hmm. should have been having your right. Um, dating back into the bubble. Um, both those players were eliminated early in the bubble. So I mean, in theory, like they, you'd think they have more time and, you know, a lot of players are frustrated. Unfortunately, you know, as you see it all with any kind of union, you know, they don't always, the interests of at the discussion table don't always represent 
the interests of everybody. Um, but their goal is to try to get the best of both worlds in negotiations. So I get why some of the players are frustrated, feel like, you know, when Chris Paul and Michelle Roberts and all these guys were agreeing to have an all-star game, basically that, you know, they, they weren't considered, they weren't asked or, I mean, too, I mean, look at all the restrictions. I mean, you can't, so if, if you're a player too, you can't travel outside of the country um, uh, during this, this long break and everything too. So, I mean, and there's, there's a laundry list of other things, but I mean, it's, it is what it is and it's going to happen. So, um, you know, I, again, I don't, I don't see anything, you know, absolutely crazy happen. I, you know, I, I like, I do like the side of, of Atlanta for, um, you know, so many, so many other reasons that aren't TNT. Um, when you talk about from a historical perspective, I love, um, I love that that was kind of the, the epicenter with, with how they did that second Christmas day offering of MLK day games. Um, mm-hmm. you know, with, uh, I forget who they were. I remember watching the game who the Hawks were playing, but I mean, just the beautiful mosaic of the like church windows into the Hawks logo and the center court, the, the MLK jerseys. And obviously we all know from a historical perspective that, um, just how important that city is and continues to be in, in shifting the narrative and, and having good dialogue. Um, and continuing to, to, to grow as a society and to use our, our platform and basketball to do that. I love Atlanta for all those reasons. Unfortunately, again, it's just, that's not where the NBA chose Atlanta. They chose the NBA in Atlanta because of with TNT's proximity to it. So NBA, I'm available if you need me to like help try to spin this. If you can, I mean, I don't know if you hand me some tough cards, but no, um, I mean, it's going to, it's, it is, it is what it is at this point. It's going to happen, unfortunately, but um it's just it's one of those things um that's yeah you're right it's you see both sides of it there's no cut and dry anything but here we are so and here we are coming into that marks the first half of the season so i know you had a couple of things we were texting back and forth about um you know reviewing uh one of those being well i'll let you lead here you you go what what of the options we talked about that we wanted to relay to listeners um what do you want to start with oh uh, yeah before yeah because there's a whole bunch and all-star weekend is always marked uh the halfway point typically all-star weekend would have happened last weekend because also weekends typically during pre- goes into president's day yes it's usually the second third weekend of february so a quick thing with that are you do you think this new change of having the skills competition just before the game and at halftime, do you think that's here to stay or is that a one-year COVID type thing? I think it's a one-year COVID type thing. I mean, I sometimes I feel like that just gets way too drawn out. Then you've got the Friday night celeb game where you've got freaking Arnie, 70-year-old Arnie Duncan, who was like under the Obama administration education secretary like 10 years ago, um, like down on the low post catching lobs from Quavo. Like, I mean, like, it's like, nobody needs to see that on a Friday night. Like it's, it's fun to an extent. Like you watch the clips afterwards when you're like, I didn't know this dude could ball, or I didn't know this girl could ball this, this actress who maybe like had played in high school that we never knew about. Like, I like those kind of aspects of it, but again, it, it's all about money and whether it's the, the Friday night, like celeb game and the uh, rookie sophomore mashup game or the Saturday night spectacular i mean there's commercials between every one of those things and the nba makes a lot of money off that weekend so they're 
they're definitely taking a hit condensing it down to one, but I don't expect them to take a hit moving forward. So, and I, to truth, truth be told, the most important loss for me is losing that. I mean, just with being a, a Cavs diehard Cavs fan and, you know, not being able to see, um, you know, Isaac Okoro, you know, play if he were to be invited and, and Darius Garland play. And I mean, I remember, I mean, I remember going back to the Dion Waiters and, and Tim Hardaway trade off where they're just slinging stupid threes at the, the rookie sophomore game. Gosh, way back in like 20, 2012, 2013, something like that. Um, I mean, it was, I mean, those are such fun moments. We see that. I mean, the rising stars challenge. Yeah. I've not called it. It was actual name yet, but the rising stars challenge. I missed that. So um, it's, it's going to be lost, but I expect them to go back to normal next year. Speaking of former cat, like Cavs and rising star challenge, but I do remember uh, Kyrie Irving. That's when he broke off Brandon Knight on that nasty crossover. I was it rising stars was still called rookie sophomore back in the day. I'll never forget. He hit him with the nasty. Yeah. Ankle. He broke Brandon Knight's ankles. And then some mm-hmm. hit the jumper and did the push, but they already announced the starters too. In the East, we got KD, Kevin Durant. He's the captain. Uh, then we have Giannis. Bradley Beal finally gets the all-star starting nod. So congratulations to him. Joel Embiid, who is falling uh, right now. It's, it's crazy. And Kyrie Irving. And then the coach right now is Doc, Doc Rivers. He'll coach Team Durant. Then on the west side starters, we got the King, uh, LeBron James. We got Chef Curry, Steph Curry. Uh, we got Nikolai Jokic, the Joker, Kawhi Leonard. And the most controversial one right now, uh, Luka Doncic. And he is starting over Damian Lillard. And Evan, that has actually caused a stir on how we vote for these type of things. Um, with the Luka versus Dame voting, player vote, Dame had 101. Media vote, Dame had 64. Luka had 30. But the fan vote, uh, Luca had 3.3 million and Dame had 2.8 million. And fan voting makes up for 50% of the voting, while the players and media get the other 25. So, Evan, what did you think about the whole Luca starting over Dame situation? Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunately, it's people vote from a, a polarization perspective. Um, and, you know, I mean, that's. I mean, let's be honest, how many all-star game starting appearances was or were, um, you know, twilight of career Kobe and Tim Duncan granted over top of, you know, well-deserving folks too. I mean, Dane just, gosh, man, dude just keeps getting slided on so many fronts, whether it's all-star games or MVP considerations or first team NBA, you know, second team, all those types of things. Uh, Dame obviously deserves the nod. Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, to, in terms of performance and when you give the, the fans that much of a say, like, I'd like to think I could trust us to do, to figure it out. But I mean, they, I mean, in general, that's a part of the composite score. And, you know, that's, that's part of the reason why Luca got in just because of the Luca name and how much we've been Luca, Luca, looking for the last, you know, however many number of years too. So on the East side of things, you know, Kyrie, I forget what he's what numbers he's at scoring wise now. Twenty seven point seven from NBA.com. Okay, twenty seven point seven. Okay, 
but I mean, very deserving right there too. I mean, there's certainly a conversation to be had about um, Zach Levine. I mean, Zach Levine's going to get in as a reserve, but in the East, I mean, that's another very guy who's just, I mean, he's, he arguably could be most improved. He could be, I don't know if he, I mean, he could crack a, an all NBA team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not sure where he's at defensively. I just don't watch enough Bulls games, but that's a guy I expect to get in, you know, at some point too. So, I mean, it's, I don't know how you get it right. Cause you got to keep the fan engagement and stuff in there too. But then also if you give it to the media, they're just going to continue to make on the, op, you know, their track record with awards has been every year. Hey, LeBron's great, but who else can we give this award to? <laughs> and they've slided LeBron out of MVP. However many years been in the league. Dude's been in what? 11 finals. Now he's only been MVP of the league four times. Yeah. Something 11 to 10 finals, things of that nature, four times. Uh, MVP two with his last couple years in Cleveland, then two. Um, we all know LeBron I, James. Yeah, we don't need to say it. <laughs> but. So, well, back to the TNT thing. Um, so Shaq had a little bit of controversy with Donovan Mitchell. Yes. And since that time, you have posed that that's maybe what what lit a fire under under the Utah Jazz, who um, have been on an absolute. Uh, terror. Uh, they mm-hmm. are first, first in the West at 24 and six. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're 13 and two at home, 11 and four on the road. Um, put up 115 a night. Um, largest differential, largest differential in the association between what they give up and what they get at 9.2. They're outscoring opponents by almost double digits every night. Um, Martin, just thoughts on thoughts on the the Jazz. Um, you know, some of their, some of their production. Yeah. Let's talk about all things Utah. Yeah. I really think that that Shaq thing really sparked them because honestly, watching that live, it was a little cringeworthy. Like they just came off and, and, and Shaq's like, yeah, I just don't think you're a player who for the next while he's interviewing Donovan and Donovan was just like, okay. And that's another person too where you can really make a case that he should be starting in the West because he's the best player on the record-wise best team in the association. And they're just clicking on all cylinders, man. They're, they're scoring. They're playing defense. I feel like Donovan's really ascending. He's averaging 24.6 points a game, 4.4 rebounds, 5.1 assists, and his PPER is 19.49. And He's playing really well, and it's kind of funny seeing Utah play this well as if people remember last year when Rudy Gobert didn't take COVID seriously, then spread all over those microphones, and then he gets COVID at Donovan, so that was wild too. But, man, they're they're playing really well. I just don't know if they're serious title contenders, you know, because I've seen this with teams, a la we're talking about some Cavs stuff, like, if you remember those Atlanta Hawks teams that would win, like, 60 games and then get swept in the playoffs. So I don't know if this Utah team is actually a real contender in the West. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely think they are. I mean, it's, it's uh, certainly been a heck of a last couple of weeks for them. Um, I mean, just they're, they're putting it in and getting – uh, putting it in the the basket, you know, at at all levels, um, you know, they're the real deal. Deal. I mean, they really are. I mean, Jordan 
Jordan Clarkson, man, he's been he's been some. He's Ooh, been some. Had a forty piece last week, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a, a really low key thing I I liked for them. That's really I think opened up some things for their their wings, their guards, the Royce O'Neals, the, the Joe Angles, the Mike Conleys, Clarksons. Um, is getting Derek Favors back. I think we talked about it on another pod, but um, so obviously he's with the Pelicans and in recent years um, since they moved them. But um, I think he's his screen setting, um, his his toughness has brought in a, a a good thing for those guards on the wings when when they call pick and roll with Favors in the second unit. So they're good, man. They're they're good. They're obviously going to be in the playoffs, and if they can keep this historic pace going, they really will be a top contender. If the playoffs started today, they'd be playing the Warriors, which I actually think would be a very interesting series. But the team that we both picked to come out of the West, barring injury, was the Los Angeles Lakers. And they suffered a big injury in Anthony Davis, who's going to be out, I think, timetable four to six weeks, I believe. Yeah. That's what the agent said. So, Evan, how big is this injury for the Lakers? Currently, they're in second in the West, 22-9, and nine, so they're not, like, like for playoff lives. But how hard do you think this injury is going to affect the Lakers after? I think they just had two straight losses after it. So, what are you thinking about that? Yeah, I mean, it's they're, – they're not going to miss the playoffs, but it's not going to be a fun time if you're a Lakers fan in the next – four to six weeks. I mean, it is what it is. So I'll be interested to see, I mean, in that four to six weeks, so we're going to have the, the trade deadline, you know, I don't know what they've got asset wise, or if they want to throw some crazy, I don't know if they want, if there's some going to be some buyouts they can pick up, they could certainly help um, for the playoff run. But I mean, that's what it's all about. I mean, LeBron James, you just got to give him a ticket to the dance. Um, you know, don't now that things are opening back up and like, you know, home court advantage really still kind of doesn't matter without fans to an extent. Um, but I mean, it's it's still obviously nice to do go through game day, shoot around and in your walkthroughs and everything else in your own building. And plus, obviously, I mean, there are some fans you're going to be playing with. I don't think in L.A. things are open up at all. Um, but, you know, if they have to go on the road and play somewhere else out west, you know, there might be a place with fans where like, yeah, come on in. Like yeah, Phoenix, I think, might be one of those teams. But don't quote me on that. Um, you know, if you saw them in a matchup, but I mean, it's just basically going to be survive. I mean, don't, they're not going to knock, they're 22 and nine. They're not going to be fall out of the playoffs. Um, one of those weeks is essentially going to be the all-star week. So, um, and again, we just can't quite measure where they line up with the Utah's and, and the Brooklyn Nets and those folks down the road in terms of prospects until we get AD back, see what they yeah. do with the buyout market. Um, those kinds of things. Do you think they'd be looking for another big? Do you think like, do you think someone like an Andre Drummond would help them size wise? I think, I think to, I think to an extent, um, you know, it'd be nice that they had uh, cousins back who had a hot cup of coffee there. I would rather take have a Demarcus, I think, than than a Drummond. But I mean, I just don't know. They would need they would need him to be bought out because they don't have enough salary to send out to mad match. So that's off the table until Drummond's a free agent and you can buy him out. I mean, I think there's good and bad with it. I mean, if you're expecting Andre to come in as somebody who's watched Andre all year, Andre just doesn't, he's a physical bruiser in the paint, man. He's going to, 
He's going to draw up fouls. He's going to he's going to grab all the sloppy stuff off the glass and give you a whole bunch of second chance point stuff in the rim. But he's also going to miss a lot around the rim. And then defensively, his foot speed. If you're expecting him to come in and you know bang in the post defensively against a Jokic and everything else, Jokic is going to run circles around. I mean, he just Drummond can't keep up. I mean, it's just not who he is. I really like Drummond. I like how he's handled all this stuff with the Cavs. And again, I don't. I bet to the Draymond rant. I get it. I appreciate it, man. You got to stick up for your players. Like you're right. There's some things there, but this was by all accounts, this was negotiated. This is what both sides want. This is Andre didn't want to keep playing and risk injury where he could be, um, you know, a, a, a vital part of an actual playoff team if he didn't have to. So like, it's a little misguided to dog the Cavs front office as much as, as Draymond did in that situation. Cause like, Again, it just it wasn't beneficial to both sides. And Drummond was starting to mail it in almost like we like we've seen with other star players stuff too. So that's a long way of saying that is it going to move the needle for the Lakers? No. Is it another body with depth that you could throw in to rack up fouls on on a Jokic or a, a Gobert in the playoffs? Yeah. So but it all depends on if he's bought out. So but I I mean I still think some of their I, I mean a wing could, I still think some of their wings, you know, I mean, like they could use a little more wing depth. I mean, who knows what, what a Wes Matthews is going to be able to do on a night to night basis. Clearly the Bucks didn't see that with him. So um, we'll see, but I mean, it's all, it's all about getting to the playoffs, getting the playoffs healthy. So 80 is going to sit for a while. They're going to take some lumps here or there with as many national TV games as they have. I mean, you're going to see the Lakers and the Clippers for a premier matchup and the Lakers are going to lose by 12. You're going to see the Lakers and Milwaukee in a premier like Sunday matinee and they're going to lose by nine. Like it's just, it is going to be what it is and you can't be frustrated about it if you're a Laker fan. Um, but uh, they'll, they'll get through it. They just got to, they can't rush AD back is all. Speaking of premier matchup, they did just have one with the team out in the East of Brooklyn nets who they're starting, I think maybe to find their stride uh, Brooklyn nets. They just, destroyed the Pacific Division, took out the Suns, Lakers, and they the swept it. Yeah, swept it. Also wept the brooms. So they're now 5-0 and against the top four teams in the West, and 8-0 and against the eight teams currently in playoff position in the conference. Ever since, I know our first pod, we talked about Kyrie because the biggest thing is that he left, he said it was mental health stuff, and now he's back. Everything's looks reconciled with that team. We both have seen that their defense is not good at all right now. And Kevin Durant has been out for a bit, and they beat Los Angeles, although they didn't have AD, but they didn't have Kevin Durant. What are you seeing from the Nets and James Harden and Kyrie and uh, Joe Harris? Like, what are you seeing from these guys? Because they're starting to look a little scary. Yeah, I mean, they imagine that you have uh... – you have practice time together, you have playing time together and just you start to, um, you, you start to gel. I mean, and I think, I think that's part of it. I mean, they were really thrown in. I mean, James Harden's what third game with the team or whatever was against the Cavs with Kyrie. And of course mm-hmm. we all jumped on the Cavs hype train of mm-hmm. we, we swept them in back to back games and then we came back to reality pretty quick. Um, but I mean, they're, they're so scary, man. I heard somebody compare, like, you know, when we think about the Heat Big Three and how good they were, you look at some of their role players. You look at, you know, they had um, 
at those, especially the first year, you know, they had like Eric Dampier, they had um, Carlos Arroyo, they had what was left of Mike Bibby. Um, you know, obviously UD was still serviceable at that point as a big off the bench. Um, Joel Anthony, when I, when I look at that, that's the they accomplished. And then like, I look at the, I look at uh, the Brooklyn Nets and see their supporting cast, which by all means isn't great. I'd rather have the Brooklyn Nets supporting cast. So, I mean, even with, even with some of the pickups, so they, they bring, and I don't think Shumpert's got much of any thing left i'll come in and give you 10 minutes off the bench pounding somebody defensively playing the passing lanes you know i think it could be super helpful um but i mean they're the they're they're the real deal man they're scary i mean you don't just go sweep that division like they did you don't i would say with their role players compared to like uh the heat big three role players and other big twos and threes role players is that we already knew that these players were good. I mean, if you do remember D'Angelo Russell, when he used to be on the team, when he was ascending, they went to the playoffs. And this team was, they've been in contention for playoffs without stars. And then you add these three on there, and especially without Kevin not playing recently for health and uh, safety protocol reasons. It's the fact that I feel like everyone on this team could shoot besides like a DeAndre Jordan and all that. But when Harden's driving and then he just kicks it, yeah, yeah, Andre Roberson. Yeah, they just signed him too. But when they kick out to like Joe Harris, like, that's not why they signed him. They signed him to play defense. I just feel like it's always easy money. Like you have sh- you have these shooters and their top three players. Yeah, I mean, I I do. I really like their. Yeah, I mean, I I do really like their their lineup here. Um, you know, even with. I mean, just compared, I mean, again, just to have Joe Harris in the wings, I mean, Joe is so good um, mm-hmm. from three. Jeff Green is playing out of his mind, man. They have, I mean, when you look at Green, you look at Joe Harris, you got DeAndre Jordan. Chris Chioza is phenomenal. I think he's got a G League background of some sorts. Bruce Brown is playing phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they got Nicholas Claxton there. I think he was the Alabama or LSU draft pick from a few years ago, uh, 6'11 center, basically. Um, and then you got all the guys they brought in. Oh, Tim- Timothy Luau Cabarro too. I mean, he's very serviceable. Uh, great, great guy off the bench too, who can who can shoot a little bit. Tyler Johnson certainly regressed, um, but then the the last three they just picked up in in serviceable vets of Noah Vonleh, Iman Shumpert, um, uh, Lane, uh, not Landry Shamit, uh, Andre Roberson too. I mean, those are those are guys that have a defensive mentality with a team that sorely needs defense. So, I mean, they're they are firing on all cylinders to say the very least. Yeah, currently they're second in the Eastern Conference behind the Philadelphia 76ers, who, whoo, Joel Embiid right now. Oh, man. He, I know it's too, it's too early to – well, I guess it's not too early. We're halfway, and there's still a lot to be played about MVP and LeBron taking a strong campaign to maybe get his fifth, and then you have people. We're not sleeping on Damian Lillard. I think he should definitely be in that top five, three discussion. But Joel Embiid right now? We, we did not – we did say put up or shut up in our preview of the season, and he's really putting up. They're playing great. I never thought Joel would be averaging 30 and 11. Like, that – I didn't see that. I don't know if it's sustainable, but, I mean, for what it is, it is just 
otherworldly the kind of performance he's putting on right now. I mean, it's just he's showing everything that we've been asking of him for better part of a year and a half, two years. So we'll see if we'll see if Doc continues to get the most out of him and see what they do at the deadline and everything else. Um, that's a rumored return spot potentially for a JJ Reddick, who I think David Griffin's trying to find a deal for with the Pelicans. I mean, who couldn't use JJ Reddick coming off their bench? You know, especially in the Easter Conference when things might be a little bit more wide open. If you're them, if you're the Boston Celtics, some of those teams. So, um, you mentioned with Joel things you can't believe you're saying. Um, topic number five. Can't believe I'm saying this, but Lamelo Ball can ball. Yes, sir. Lamelo Ball can ball. I I don't know that I. I mean, too. I mean, we saw Lonzo is certainly a serviceable NBA point guard who has mm-hmm. great court vision. When he's engaged, he's good defensively. Dude just can't shoot. And at times, he just checks out of the game. Seeing the hodgepodge of clips to go off of, of him cherry-picking at 14 for a 70-, 80-point game at Chino Hills to, like, mm-hmm. the one game he played in Luth- uh, uh, oh gosh, uh, Lithuania. Couldn't say it. Um, to some of the cherry-picking odd antics from the Australian League, the um, or the New Zealand League um, mm-hmm. from last year. I just – you couldn't get enough of a semblance of who LaMelo was or is, and I wanted nothing to do with them heading into this draft. Yep. That said, I mean, we've got to – we still got to give due credit to, to James Wiseman, who's missed some games and stuff here lately because he's been, he's been doing phenomenal, but obviously has a yeah, – he doesn't have too much of a better supporting cast out, outside of Curry right now. But, um, I mean, LaMelo is just – he's your runaway rookie of the year. I was worried about from a – a rookie of the year evaluation standpoint, if, Hey, like seeing all the sweet Don passes on Instagram and the clips on Twitter and gifts of him just doing stupid passes. If I'm like, that's what sells and marketing. So if that's what people see and he doesn't put up the stats and that's whatever, but he's backing that up with, with the stats and the games and he's shooting, he's shooting, he's putting the ball in the basket. He is so fun to watch. I, I dedic- finally dedicated the game a couple weeks ago. I think it was like, before the Cavs were playing about ready to get slaughtered out West. Um, they were the early game on. And I mean, I just watched him for a half. I mean, on the offensive side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball, I mean, he's doing the Kevin Love full court passes, um, his pick and roll stuff. I mean, the dude's still what, like 19. He's just yeah. he's phenomenal. Yeah. He's currently 19. I mean, his uh, birthday is like August 22nd, 2001. So that's, that's wild too. And yeah, NBA.com has has him averaging 14.4 points, 6.1 rebounds, 6.1 assists. And this guy wasn't even starting um, earlier in the year, and he was still putting up these type of numbers. And believe it or not, if the playoffs started today, Charlotte would be the eighth seed. Yeah. Like if you yeah. watch them with Scary Terry and Lamelo, they're actually a fun team to watch. They are. Um, I mean, Gordon Hayward's been having a, a heck of a year too. You know, the it's just they are fun to watch, man. And they're they're that is the reason why they are the eighth seed. And I mean, they could potentially climb higher. I mean, looking here, it's a little surprising to see the Celtics only at five hundred. I mean, if things keep up, I I wouldn't put outside the realm that Charlotte could get some momentum and pass a team like the Celtics. I mean, if you look up there, look at the lot grid from four four to eight. Like we're yep. separated by one game there. I mean, they could be a four seed if things mm-hmm. keep going how they're going. They keep developing, you know, and. Other teams being an injury away. I mean, who the heck knows? Yeah, if you 
Philly, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee, you are right. Looking at the standings, they're all one one away like from each other. Then you even have like the ninth and the tenth seed, Chicago and Miami, who could also they get off down the stretch in the second half. They could take one of those. Very interesting on the East Side's top three teams. So he's been he's been quite a present or quite a pleasant surprise. Um, Martin, give me give me a couple teams that have surprised you, and it, you know that it could be Charlotte Hornets for one of years too. But so far through the halfway point here, just to to finish the pod, give me two teams that have really surprised you when you're looking at those standings and you're thinking about just how individual players on those teams have developed, how their seasons have unfolded. Who are two teams that stand out to you? This is for a bad surprise because you just named them, the Boston Celtics. I'm sitting at 15 and 15, and I'll just never forget when that team, their new nucleus of uh, Jalen Brown and all of them, Jason Tatum, when they were going against LeBron in one of his last years in the Eastern Conference Finals, and we went to seven with them. And I thought when LeBron left, they would be next team up, dominate the East. And right now they're 15 and 15. Just of Sunday, they blew that 24-point lead that I was watching against the uh, New Orleans Pelicans. And they're just not good. And they have and they have some talent over there. I don't know what it is. I don't know if they need to trade away and get some pieces. They're they're not good surprise for me and then the good surprise for me we already talked about Joel we already talked about Utah I I would say we talked about this team earlier in the year the Phoenix Suns uh they're sitting at 19 and 10 fourth seed we brought them up that they could potentially sneak into the playoffs this year and we talk about LeBron James and rightfully so year 18 doing what he is doing, but Chris Paul is in year 15 and he's putting up 17 points, four rebounds, eight assists, and he's been doing this consistently for a long time. So I just really wanted to shout him out because I feel like we don't talk about him enough how long he's been in the league and how elite he's been in the league. And if he had a title, we'd be talking about him in a whole different light as one of the top point guards ever in this game, which even without a title, he rightfully is. So those are that's my good shot and my bad shot. I don't know if I've got – I mean, there's there's tons of good shocks. Um, I mean, I again, I don't, I don't know that I saw the Sixers jumping out to their pace yeah. setting 2011 like I did. I mean, we, we again, we said it's put up our shot up time with, with – how they are currently constructed and we like the moves the off season. So, I mean, I guess that's a positive one for me. Um, it's just, again, looking at what Embiid's done, what they've done in revamping the roster, Doc's coaching style. Um, you're right. Boston surprising in there. A game off, and this is going to sound really weird to say that I have them all my, eh, like I thought you're going to do more list. Um, especially after I watched Jamal Murray put 50 on the Cavs the other night. Cause I mean, you couldn't tell me they weren't a top three team in the West then, but they're only a game. They're only one game ahead of the Celtics' pace right now. They're the seventh seed in the West, Martin. This yep. is a team that I mean gave the Lakers all the business in the bubble. You know, had that run where they just ripped off elimination games. You know, dating back to the Jazz series. I mean, I I expect them to continue to um, to grow and to continue to get there. But 
that certainly is a um, is a surprise for me just seeing them there. I mean, I I think that they're easily a um, it, it, a top four, t- closer to the top four than they are should be the bottom four when it's all said and done. But um, you know, it's just it's one of those things where I don't know if they're just you know the bubble run since they were kind of late in that too in the West Finals that if that's taken a toll and people are just like realizing like the Lakers are, Hey, we don't have to try so hard during regular season, but um, I mean, they, they certainly got all the pieces there. Uh, Michael Porter jr. Keeps developing, um, but that's the team I'm watching. But I think overall, let's talk about the worst team basketball. Um, that's my biggest surprise. I think, um, you know, I, I don't know that I knew they were going to be really good, but um, Minnesota fired their coach last night. You're listening to this on, uh, Monday, February 22nd. Um, so Ryan Saunders, a, uh, a tough call for management to fire again with his dad who had uh, flipped, who had, had passed away in the last couple of years, and they gave his son Ryan the nod as head coach. I mean, Saunders, the, the last name Saunders is synonymous with Minnesota Timberwolves basketball, um, you know, for, for both of those reasons. So that's, that's tough, and everybody loves Ryan Saunders too, but a little weird that they already had, like, and one back-to-back tweets, Woj went from they're not going to name an interim probably tonight to they're in contract talks with the assistant from um, is it Flynn? Um, trying to remember from uh, Toronto. That Toronto, yes, thank you. Um, so I mean that's that surprise, but I mean they're seven and twenty-four. Yeah, or not Flynn Finch, Chris Finch from Toronto. Um, so I mean I love the pedigree of, of continuing to tap the the Toronto um, coaching tree, but. I mean, it is really surprising where where Minnesota's at. And obviously, again, I mean, they haven't had Cat for a huge part of the season. We talked about everything Cat's been through. And Cat himself has gotten COVID. But, um, I mean, outside of Anthony Edwards' dunk of the century the other night, I mean, that, yeah. that, doesn't, yeah. that doesn't equal a win in the win column, you know, and they're 7-24 they're and 24 and and primed to be another lottery team again this year. So that's, those are my surprises, basically out West and negative. Yeah. Um, on the Timberwolves too, because I don't think in our preview of the season, we had them doing too, too well, but we just saw like a combination of like D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. And you even have like Ricky Rubio um, on that team as well. It's just like, we thought they'd be better than what they are. But they aren't, they're not good at all. I tried to watch one of their games and it's just, they're just not good. And to go back to your point of uh, Denver uh, being like at the seventh seed, there's some teams in here currently, like the team above them. I didn't expect San Antonio, if the playoffs started today, they'd be the sixth seed. But I guess another team that I'm not surprised, but happy that they're the fifth is obviously Portland. They've been dealing with injuries, and Damian Lillard is just going out of his mind once again. And you brought up the playoff bubble for Denver. Remember that Portland had to fight just to get that last yeah. playoff yeah. in the bubble. And then they come back the next season, and they're in the fifth spot. And right now, Dame is averaging a smooth 30, 4.5 rebounds, 7.9 assists. Like, I really. And it's hard because I really would, if I had a vote, my top three MVPs right now would be a combination of Dame, Joel, and LeBron. And whenever KD comes back and just destroys everyone again, but 
he'd probably be in there too. But those would be my top three, like MVP candidates as of right now. I agree with you. I mean, you throw, yeah. I mean, Embiid would be towards top of Embiid, LeBron, Dame, and, you know, I, I can't quite do it for where he's uh, stats wise, he's there, but he's just not there for where their record is. Is I mean, I, I think this might be the year Jokic really makes a really big top two, top three finish kind of thing. So we'll see. A lot to be settled, um, you know, as we, we close in on the first half, head into this all star game. If however that's going to be figured out, and then uh, on to the second half, Martin. So good catching up today. Yeah, um, Evan, you got any last words? And then just quick before I throw this into disappointed right now, Maverick, because we both had Luca in the top two of MVP at the beginning of. I was uh, hoping you wouldn't bring that up. I mean, we're held, we're holding ourselves accountable on this. You're podcast. holding us accountable. I was trying to hide <laughs> the weeds till somebody brought they're, it up. They're, they're thirteen and fifteen, and the biggest thing that they've done recently was the Dame snub and uh, Mark Cuban when he said that they weren't going to have the anthem played at their games, and the NBA said, no, you're having the anthem played at your game. But that was another disappointing team, but yeah. That's an Andre Drummond Drummond team that I think is, you could work something out there with with some some kind of package. Let's send Trey Burke back this way, because Kobe Altman just convinced that we only need one point guard, apparently, to run our entire team. Matt (laughs) Delvadova almost has to retire. He says he's not because of concussions and he just had his appendix out but i mean matt Deldo can't be your your number two point guard anyway we don't even have a number two technically it's yep. Darius garland even though people want to say it's con sex con sex is a two Darius garland's averaging 15 and five this year he's our starting point guard we've got nobody behind him we traded dante exum away um who was kind of running back point doing a good job um but we've got we got nobody so give me trey burke give me some other filler money to make it work um and then you can have Andre Drummond and, and let Porzingis roam a little bit offensively and defensively. So that's my last two cents. And gotcha. that's, that's where I'm at. All right. Well, Evan, do you have any uh, last thoughts? Uh, we probably won't be back until after the all-star game. Yeah. So yeah. if you care who you want to pick between team LeBron and team Durant, we haven't even seen who else is getting drafted, but any last thoughts for the listeners before we close shop? As always, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Keep uh, keep hitting that like and subscribe button. Keep telling your friends, your family. Um, this is your source for for all things NBA. L7C. Yeah. Once again, always thank you for listening to the uh, L7C podcast. Liking, subscribing on whatever platform that you listen to, we greatly appreciate it. Um, everyone here does uh, love talking hoops with Evan. Can't wait to come back in March and talk about hoops. Obviously, March is a big hoops month with March Madness and all of that and basketball really starting to take center stage in the sports world. And obviously, I mean, I've shouted him out on previous podcasts that you'll hear before this, but shout it out again, probably for the last time this week, shout out to our own Mitchell Oso uh, with the birth of his son, Cooper. Shout out Mitchell Oso and Kalo. So, so that's three shout outs on Ponto. You have to worry about the shout outs when he comes back on talk about his son and all that jazz. Hoping for all the best for their family and the baby. And with that being said, thank you everyone for listening to the L7C podcast. You guys take care. 
thank you for listening to this episode of the L7C podcast. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the channel. Follow us on all social media platforms, and we'll be talking to you guys soon. Take care.